Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Matt Chat. We're at the University of Oklahoma being joined by coaches Lou Rosselli, Michael Leitner, Nick Heflin, Hunter Stieber, and Sam Hayswinkle. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. and Thank you so much for your time today and hospitality yesterday. Thanks. There's a lot to get to. Lou, let me start with the Big 12 tournament. You guys were co-champions, and I believe you said yesterday the first in like 18 or 19 years. 19 years. 19 years. To me, when I see a program leveling up, there are certain benchmarks that happen along the way. And I was actually texting with you that night, and you're like, what's well, on, you know, hey, two weeks is what matters and all that. But in hindsight, when you look back at this, how important was winning the tournament to the team, to the program? Well, I think it's really important. You know, it hasn't happened in 19 years, you know, and I think that it's a start. I think it's a it's a, it's a benchmark for what we're doing. Um, you know, winning the tournament, we, you know, I thought we had some guys that were uh, wrestled really well in the tournament. Obviously, got out of roll and um, I think it was session two on uh, Saturday night, you know, got some pins and got us, you know, we, I think we took a 10 or 12 point lead or something, you know, after day one. Yeah. And, and, and we knew it wasn't really over then, but, um, you know, we knew the next day was still going to be crucial because, you know, I've been in situations where uh, day three of the Nationals, you know, things don't work out. But, you know, what? Uh, Don Deepest winning in the finals helped us. Obviously, we might win outright, but at the same time, it was, it's, a, it's a really big Yeah. And to any of you guys, what's been the re- been the reaction from the fan base? Like, I mean, I saw people yesterday, you know, the trophies there. People are taking picture with it, you know, but you know, it's sitting over there now. Yeah, I think people are excited about it. And, you know, obviously, you know, the standard of excellence here is, is to win. And, and I think that that's just, you know, a uh, stepping stone towards, uh, you know, getting ourselves back to where we want to be, you know, and, and in the talk, you know, in top five, 10 You mentioned yesterday at the golf tournament, and I wrote it down, you said you had five or six overtime matches? We had six overtime matches. That went the wrong way for you, correct? Yeah. And anytime you're in overtime, it's a coin flip, right? I mean, you guys have all wrestled. You, yeah, literally. Like, we both could sit here for argues, like, why my guy should have won or you should have won. But that's the whole point. It's, it's a coin flip. So if you win those coin flips, even if you win probably the right two or three of them, right, depending on where they are and what the draws are next, it dramatically changes your result at the tournament. What adjustments do you guys make, whether it's mental, whether it's peaking, whether it's cutting weight, right? Like I talked to a coach at uh, Coralville, his kid took third and got, but it was the coach from Minnesota. They're talking about McKee and how he finally cut his weight right. And that's why he murdered everybody there. So what are these adjustments? You guys are obviously at the top of this game and we have a lot of coaches that watch this. What do you guys do to, to win those coin flips? Well, I'll start that. Now let's get I got questions for everybody. We're yeah. going to get there. So, <laughs> I think some of it's built around the culture, right? So I think one of the steps we're taking is, you know, obviously we've got Nate Tomasello as a, one of our uh, regional training center athletes. I think he's going to help because wrestling with really good guys will, will make you win some of those close matches. And when you have more RTC guys that can fight with our, our young kids and interact with them and then wrestle on a day-to-day basis, I think you're going to start winning some of those matches because you're used to the grind. You're used to the close matches. You're used to gutting it out in practice. And I think that, you know, you turn some of those matches around with the right culture and getting some of the right people uh, here to train. Any of you other guys want to jump in on that? Because I think those overtime matches, it's super interesting. I to think that one should. It's like the king of overtime matches. <laughs> so, look, I know you're kind of teasing, but so what's, like, okay. I wasn't as good as you guys were, but I was okay. And sometimes you just know, like, man, this is going to be a 1-1 match or a 3-2 match. And so to me, I was like, well, I was pretty good on top. 
I figured like maybe if I can get through that one minute, maybe I can win the 30 30s. But you obviously were doing it at a much higher level. What when you start getting into those, it's one, it was zero, zero. I know I can get away. I know this guy can get away. Did you almost work backwards and like start like maybe saving a move for late in a period or late in the overtime? Or is it just a mindset I'm gonna be tougher? Or how do you look at that? Uh, I mean, for me, I think we'd all agree, a little bit of agree as well, I was a terrible shooter. Most people didn't shoot on me, so it typically took me two overtime, right, where someone would have to shoot because I was good at getting out on bottom. Um, so I don't think it was necessarily planned or the king of it. It's just my style. Oh, people would shoot on me because I'd run on them. So, you know, yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, when you're in a heater and it's tight, go back to the basics. Stance, position, always wins. And if you take a shot, you got to get to your feet. You got to finish fast. And if you're on bottom in a heater in overtime, you got to, you got to get up. And if you can ride for thirty, you win match. But but it all goes back to the basics when you're in a heater. If you break stance, you get taken down, you lose. I guess I'll follow it up with a little bit of this too. You know, as you talk about what we're trying to do to make it different, you know, you know, we're talking about scoring more points. We gotta get score more points in practice. The better you get at scoring points in practice, or you know, the more skills that you have, the things that you're doing, the way you learn to wrestle more freely, you know, practice and matches going out and striking in the first minute, you know, not not feeling a guy out. You gotta get you gotta get comfortable, you gotta be confident when that happens. You shake hands with another human being who wants to kill you on and do that, you gotta go on strike. And waiting around never a good thing. So I think just if there's an emphasis at practice and put some points on the board, don't worry, check your ego at the door and, and be able to go out and, and improve your practice. Practice is about your effort and improving. You know, and, and we have we have lots of skill sets and you're using them all the time. And I think it'll make it easier in those matches if you're, you're good at. It actually segues in great to the question I was going to ask Hunter. But before I say that, I had uh, Gary Mayab on like a week ago. Got the Greco guy over here smiling. (laughs) But he talked about how in practice, failing between, I think it was like 17 and 28% of the time was actually ideal. And, you know, you can obviously interpret that. Yeah, Gary's the only guy that has more Google Sheets than I do. So, um, but but basically like, look, like if you know you can always get me in an ankle pick or whatever one move, a swing single, you know, you can always take me down in that you doing that all the time and me just getting taken down in that over and over doesn't help either one of us that, you know, maybe you need to start working on underhooks or working on a high crotch and, you know, that's how you develop other stuff. So, I mean, I think that ties into what you're saying, which is like, you got to try to score points. And if, you know, if you have somebody that's the one guy that can stop that swing single and you don't have anything else, now we're in those heaters, those ride outs, like you're talking about. So Hunter, what I wrote down was, I lo- and this is true. I loved watching you wrestle in high school and in college and you're just so wide open and cut it loose. And I'm sure all you guys believe that offense wins matches and championships. You guys just literally said that. But what can you do as, you know, a younger guy, you, you know, you're probably one of the more happy-go-lucky guys here on the staff. I mean, as a compliment, because you need a blend, right? Yeah. And I'm not that way all the time. So you need somebody to kind of balance you out. But from a mental and or physical standpoint, what are you trying to do to help these guys wrestle free, cut it loose, be grateful, whatever it is, just so that they're the best version of themselves? Um, it's kind of what these guys said in practice, like opening up more. Um, just I can tell from my, like myself, like if I, I would wrestle with Logan every day, first match, and he'd destroy me. <laughs> and then 
I wasn't really angry about it, but then the rest of the practice, I was just firing off hundreds of shots and, and, and trying different um, moves. Or I saw some Russian do it, or Logan did it, or or, or whatever. And um, really, a lot of you, you all know, like com- competition comes from practice. So a lot of the moves you do in practice, you do in competition. So if you don't do moves in practice, generally you do moves. Yeah, in right. So that's just one thing. Like I always like try to tell them. Like, I don't know what the, the percentage of, of failing uh, on, on in, in the room. I find a lot more in the room because I took 50 shots and I get five of them. It's also who you're wrestling. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, really? yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. I think so, that's like the range game. That bogey moves depending on who you're going with. So, so yeah, just you, you gotta. I think just the more you do a practice, the more the more you try things in practice. Not just trying a, a million moves. It could just be like three moves. You know, you get three best shots. And just doing a bunch of sales and then just getting in different scenarios. And I think that's why like, my sparring is so big. You get a good spar partner. You can, you can do all those things. You get a good feel. They like you get to take down every once in a while because it's not full go. Um, so just, just kind of telling guys like, it's a no, there's no trophies. Practice tonight, right? You go out there. Yep. Score some points. I, I like that saying. Yeah. Care if you lose eight to six, you took fifty shots. You know? so. It's always probably not better to even keep score, right? Like you know that. I, yeah, well, that's fair. Yeah. Well, like, I remember my dad when I was wrestling, like, can if... We, can we come real quick, Dave? Yeah. And let's get Taylor or whoever just got me. Just don't want, like, the back. Like, oh, yeah. So... I think one of the interesting things is, and my dad would do this with certain guys. I'm, I'm, I'm interested if you guys do this, like, Hey, he's got like an underhook to a high crutch and it works all the time. And you pull that guy aside and say, Hey, you can't do that today. Well, you don't tell the other guys you can't do it, but you can't do it. And it makes you develop something to the other side or makes you work on your front headlock off and short offense. Everybody now back hamstring chase, all those kind of things. Do you guys do that with guys at all? Or I'd say there's a few in there that, you know, like, uh, you got, you got some people that are good at counter offenses. I know you got to get the legs. That one don't count. You're good at, you know, yeah. pistol whipping him with some of the garbage, you know, giving moves. Yeah. So, you know, got to get to his legs today. You know, so I think it's just individual, you know, and each guy has a little different thing that they're working on. But I do, do think that there's value in that. And say, listen, you know, you can't go double over him. You got him good. Don't get his legs today. And then, you know, we're not counting that. That doesn't count. Yeah. 50 points in practice or whatever, 75 points. You can't use that. So. I, I saw my dad do that a lot with guys who are like leg riders. They said no legs, and they, they ended up being good with tilts and crab rides and other stuff because, you know, they didn't want the punishment of, you know, you put a boot in, it's 50 push-ups or something every time. So, Hef, I saw you yesterday on the golf course. First of all, thanks for the hat. I appreciate it. Um, I told you this privately, and I wanted to say this to you publicly. I think you've done a great job going from competing to being all-in as a coach. I was, I was literally up there with you at AWL which was one of the last competitions, I think, within a year or two of your retirement. And I can see it from the outside. And I think a lot of other people have, a lot of people talked about Woodley's performance. And obviously you're a guy that works out with him a lot. What lessons, as the guy that's competed the most recently here, what lessons have you learned making those changes? Man, um, coaching's a lot of 
effort and energy. It's a servant role. We're here to serve the kids. Um, they have dreams, and you have such a short window. And I think helping young men recognize how short this window truly is and how valuable this opportunity in life is, I think is a, is a thing that I've learned in, in trying to teach these kids. Um, it's been awesome being here on staff and learning from these guys and being coached by them and coaching with them. And it's, it's awesome. If I'm sure you're attacking coaching like you attacked wrestling, you know, obviously trying to improve. Where are you concentrating that the most? Are you looking to like improve more tactically with guys, watching film, recruiting? Man, every area. Uh, coaching never stops. Coaching's a, it's an all-day job. You got to be thinking about your athlete all the time, where they need to develop, whether it's mental, whether it's technique, whether it's physical, whether it's just taking them aside and refocusing their mind from what they're thinking. Of. They're a bracket guy, get them away from the bracket. Right? If they're a meathead. They Wait, go are. back to that. Yeah. But they're a bracket guy, get them away from the bracket. Yeah. So I think I know what that means, but I don't want to go by that. Because yeah. I might miss, I've thought that before and been completely wrong. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, like guys that go look at their bracket and they're planning their route and they're thinking, this is a hard match. This isn't easy. That, that type of stuff. And it's like when you're when you're coaching a guy, you've got to know the guy. And these are things that you learn from being around elite guys like this coaching staff, you know, where you're just constantly, what does my guy need? And I think that's one of the things that I've grown tremendously here is just you have to is he where is his faults right and then just kind of striking it's super interesting to me because i was a bracket guy you know which makes sense that's why i did rankings and stuff don't laugh so hard Hayes. <laughs> but like like Jaden cox i was talking to him a couple years ago before the world cup and i've known Jaden since he was like 10 or 12 in the world cup you guys obviously know this you're going to wrestle these three countries and then cross over so you know who you're going to wrestle I was like, you know, I was just kind of I'm teasing him. I go, Jaden, what kind of film breakdown have you done on your guys? He goes, I don't know who we're wrestling. And I, I kind of, you know how you laugh, like you're teasing, you know, yeah. you know, like it'd be like, Lucian, I just let the guys do what they want to practice. Like, ah. and it was like, he goes, I'm serious, coach. I, why would I do that? I'm like, I don't know. I guess if I could wrestle like you, I probably wouldn't do it either. <laughs> but but it's also knowing that guy, like, hey, maybe we do need to work on this one thing. He's like the opposite of the bracket guy, right? And you're saying you're learning how to coach both those guys. I'm guessing you learn that just by spending time with these guys, yeah. not only in the room, but outside of the room, on the bus rides, everything. Spending, spending time with these guys, picking knowledge, asking, paying attention. Um, something that we talk about as a staff a lot is have a tight circle and trust your circle, you know, where you're learning from each other and growing. So I think that's where I've grown personally because when you're a competitor, you're selfish. You're thinking about you, your needs, where you need to. I say that every time, like, you have to be totally selfish as an athlete and totally unselfish as a coach. And it's interesting in our sport that we think the best athletes should be the best coaches because you don't, if you're fans of other sports, like Bill Belichick was not a great football player, you know, like uh, Phil Jackson was an okay basketball player, you know, and some of the guys that tried to coach like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird weren't great at it, Michael Jordan, you know, but it's interesting in our sport, we, the transition over 
And but you're right, they have to be able to make that adjustment and sort of get a bunch of alpha males to be a little bit unselfish. Like, hey, I know you need to be selfish, Sam, but I need you to teach David how to do X, Y, and Z because he sucks there. <laughs> we need him to not be so terrible there. So, Mike, the Oklahoma legend. Uh, I love seeing how the guys on the golf course, what, you're not? <laughs> Your picture's on the wall, man. <laughs> um, I love seeing the guys on the golf course and how you interacted with them. I do think it's important because you're born and raised in Oklahoma. You know, you're the guy on the staff from there. So you understand what it's like growing up here. Like I just saw a recent high school rank and there's five teams ranked nationally in like the top 25 or 30. I don't want to, I know top 40 for sure in a state with not a lot of population. You know, when you compare that like to a New Jersey or a California or those other states, winning the in-state recruiting battles is critical to any program. What, can you and the staff do to consistently get either the top Oklahoma kids to wear the crimson and cream? And then if you're losing a battle here or there, how to then go get somebody, you know, from Pennsylvania, those kind of things to replace them, Florida, <laughs> to replace them. Uh, building relationships, I would say, shout out to Oklahoma. We've, we, we've had like two Oklahoma born kids most of the time you're a blue collar kid and you grow up tough. Um, building out outside relationships would go, you know, Hef and Lou build. That's all they do constantly is build relationships. And I think, I think we're killing it recruiting and, and, a, and a big credit goes to this big guy in the back because he tracks them down and we try to follow it up. And big credit goes to the head coach, to Lou, um, because no one outworks Lou. That's, so uh, to win the in-state battle, we we got to keep the same thing. It's just smaller size, but building relationships and, and winning the Big 12s was huge. That, that makes us relevant now. And if we win the in-state battle, then we're going to be sitting pretty good on the national level. Yeah, you said a couple of things there, and I agree with all of them. First of all, winning the Big 12s, and we talked about it off the air, you won it from the front. You know, and we were doing the commentary for ESPN, U or Plus or whatever it was. And it's interesting when you're doing it, like I kind of convinced myself nobody's actually watching. I'm just talking to like six of my buddies. And that's how I don't get nervous. Then they run the credits at the bottom. <laughs> it's like the same thing. You like, oh, my God. But when the team scores go up after session one, after session two, going into the finals, and it's OU first, and that's the headline, that's the tweet, that's the IG post, that's the Facebook post, and you smile, but that's how people, like, we're old school, but that's di- it's different now. You know, when I was recruiting, it was like landlines and stuff like that, you know? So, and I was paying cell phone bills by the minute. <laughs> my dad thought I was, <laughs> yeah, my dad thought I was insane. Um, but to win it from the front, was really important. And then winning it and having these kids that like the o- the Oklahoma kids, like you can, you can do this here. Like you were saying, yeah, you know, like, and it's in Tulsa too. I mean, as people understand the big 12s are in Tulsa. Yeah. We, 
we kind of we did we didn't win it from the front. We were, uh, and I'll say it just because um, when it's on my mind, I got to say it. But they had OSU had nine first like first round matches. We only had three, so we we were we had a huge hill to climb from yeah. the front. And then in the middle, we kind of gained ground, and then at the end, you know, but what happened happened. But yeah, from the front, we weren't winning. From the first hour, no. But I mean, at the end of each session. Yeah. which is when people take the snapshots. Right. Yeah, you're right. Because I've heard the, my Oklahoma State friends like, yeah, but we outplaced them in more ways. I mean, I'm like, look, anytime there's two good arguments, you should probably be tied. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you guys disagree. Yeah. But, you know, like, so, um, Sam. In the, in the, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. In the words of a good friend of mine, they tied us. We didn't tie them. <laughs> well, that's from being in the front. I think <laughs> so there you go. Sam Hayswinkle, the only man who gets his last name spelled wrong more than mine. Yes. It's just, and it's just two letters. Yeah, we're on the same page. <laughs> What's it been like being back at OU in the RTC role? I love it. I absolutely love it. It's good to be home. It's good to be back here. Uh, it's good to be in the room. And the freestyle fits me uh, real well. I, I get to travel more. I get to I don't have all the same kind of compliance rules. Uh, and I got a little one, you know, so I like being at tournaments. I like being around in, in the middle of it. And I get to do that, which is, which is wonderful. I think you're such a low key, humble guy. I think people forget you are an Olympian and I, I not. And you were, didn't you one year make the world team in both styles? Uh, I made finals and make the world team. But, which yeah, is national national team kind of insane, right? Little. I mean, for the rest, that's pretty crazy, pretty, right? That's good. That's good. That's good. So, how important is the RTC in the development of not only just your RTC athletes, but developing these? Yeah, it seems to me it's the uh, the most proven method right now to to win a national title. Just it's the fastest, most proven method. There, there may be better ways out there, but. You look at the last 10 years, it's the teams where they have a great RTC that are winning. You've got to have those guys training. We are uh, turning that around. We're bringing in Nate Tomasello. We have two Olympians on staff, world team member, national team guys. Uh, I would put our staff against anybody in the country. In a heartbeat. We have what you need, and it's starting to show. You know, we got two number one recruits this year. We have uh, three guys that were just in the finals. We have three guys on the Pan Am team. It just things are turning around, and and the RTC. I mean, I'm biased, but that's a big part. Of it. That's that's where it goes. And uh, Lou's been preaching it for years. Uh, I know when this job was open, you hear your names. You're like, they might fit, they might, they might not. Lou Brazilian. I said, well, well, he's had five guys on the world team the last like ten years, every year. Yeah, it's a great choice. That that'd be my number one, and I'm I'm glad he got it. Watching it, the battles, and, you know everything you learn in wrestling, and watching it come to fruition, and now I get to be a part of it. It's it's a dream come true. I'm at home. Yeah, you mentioned the staff, and obviously the credentials speak for themselves. But what's interesting to me is I think people develop staffs one of two ways, like. A week ago, I'm in Coralville, so you know I'm talking to brands, and it's Iowa, 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 and if they brought anybody else on, it'd be Iowa. 
And that's how they do it. And then like I was at Arizona state and it's a lot more like you guys, like you bring people from different schools. They have different philosophies. I might've wrestled at school A and coached at school B and now they're at school C. And obviously I think both formulas work, right? I mean, you know, we're seeing that, right? Like both of them are working. To me, it's interesting because I think you become Lou as the head coach, almost like a funnel where you get these guys pour these different ideas into you or into the group. And then you kind of get to cherry pick. That's a great idea, but more so for these three guys. And this other way is probably better for these two guys. And so I would imagine a lot of your time is literally getting input from these guys, right? Yeah. Well, I think that when you're, when you're building a program, there's just a lot of buckets to fill, you know, and the first bucket you're talking about is the staff. That's got to be cohesive. We got to think the same way. We all got to go in the same direction. And that's the number one thing I'd say after anything when you're building your staff, right? You know, that's why probably Iowa, they have the same mentality. So they're going to go try with them. You know, and we all have to think the same way about what we want. You know, and if our goal all the time is that OU wrestling, you know, to be back on track to be number one, then we all got to think that way. You got to, from a culture, from a messaging standpoint, from just who we are and how we, what we believe. And, uh, you know, I'd say a lot of my time deals with a lot of, there's a lot of buckets in there. Like I said, one, having a good staff to make sure that we're all doing what we need to do on a day-to-day basis. But obviously, there's a recruiting bucket. There's a fundraising piece. You know, there's obviously a culture piece. So there's a lot of things that go into the academic piece. So it's, there's a lot of things down here at the foundation. You know, and trying to make sure that we continue to keep building them up the way you're supposed to is important. You know, so they all need to be handled delicately and making sure that they're improving. So it's not just one thing. I know what I know as a fan, you look at one thing, the bottom right hand corner, winning and losing. But there's also these other things that go on. You know, and I think that you know that's an important part for me to make sure kids get educated, make sure that you know they have an incredible work ethic, not a good one, an incredible one. Then make sure that your character and how what you believe, you know, fits with what we want. You know, and, and there's lots of really good wrestlers, and sometimes you don't fit. You know, putting putting a round peg into a square hole doesn't, doesn't go well. Right? Yeah, sorry. I just think that as you say that to me, I say, well, there's a lot of things on my mind. You say that there's a lot of things yeah. opens up for me that it goes. No, that doesn't. You know, my time is spent doing lots of things and lots of follow up, and we're making sure that we're handling things correctly and doing things the right way. I think the best coaches, whether you're the head coach, the RTC coach, the assistant coach, whatever you realize, probably that two, two and a half hours a day when you're coaching is literally probably the easiest part of being a coach. Yeah. Like, and because you love wrestling, you're with the kids where at least for that part of their lives are actually probably commit, as committed to it as they're going to be. And like I coached in junior college, the other 21 hours a day were terrifying to me. <laughs> you know, just like anytime the phone... Anytime the phone didn't ring after 11 o'clock was a win. <laughs> and nobody calls you at 1130 to just say, hey, I got an A. Like, then no one ever calls and tells you that. <laughs> There's a problem, exactly. We've had a couple of these conversations off the air. So um, to go back to the RTC, uh, I was riding up here with, I know you can't talk about him because he's an incoming athlete, but with Chris Forbes, his son, Christian Forbes, a hammer. I know you can't talk about him, but... Chris was reminding me you guys finished eighth at the senior world team trials with two medals and then second at the junior world trials. Like you said, three kids made the Pan Am teams with three finalists, basically. And two, two, two this year, two this year, my, my fault. At least I got it wrong on the upside. <laughs> so um, to me, this is more tangible progress and reasons why guys should come know you. 
So what adjustments have you made to get to this level of success? And I know you're a thinker. What's the next steps to keep leveling up? Sure. Well, we got to bring in guys. We got to keep bringing in the best. Um, and, and coach touched on it, but it's that culture. You got guys like Nate Tomasello in here. And they're they're teaching the guys how to fight, how to fight for everything. What the importance of the little things. You know? uh, I'm just getting no Nate. I haven't. I haven't. You know, I don't have a, a long relationship with him. But he's big on the on the little things. They matter, which I love. I'm that way. It matters what he's eating. It matters who he's wrestling. It matters what his schedule is. And, and that being part of it, uh, it's been a learning for me. So I've, I've been the head coach. I've been training and listening to Lou and watching how I thought, hey, I can be in the room. I can wrestle with the guys. And they'll, get, they'll get better. You know, I'm battle with them. And it's, it's not the same as having a, a Nate Thomas he's, he's in the grind. You know, he doesn't just know the grind. He's in it. And having those guys in there pushing, pushing the team, pushing the culture, building that confidence, it's, it, it changes everything. And that's kind of my goal, our goal moving forward. Let's get more guys in there. Uh, RTC can really steer the culture. We can do a good – these are guys they look up to. We have guys in the team that look up, and, and this is who they're wanting to be, and they're going to follow them. And when RTC is doing things right, everything else is easier. When RTC is doing things wrong, when, it, when you don't have one, it's they're bracket watching, right? They're watching <laughs> flow. They're watching what the guys over here and there do, and, and they don't have that in person. This is how it's done. So I, you know, pretty much I'm the most important. <laughs> Way to stick the landing, Sam. Really well done. Agreed. <laughs> so, so you had referenced this, but Lou, when you were at Ohio, you obviously we're part of the staff, but the RTC guy and that RTC just had some insane accomplishments. I think like one year you guys said what five or six of the seven. Five. We had five. And that's when there were seven weights, right? So yeah, like, I'm sure you don't remember the details, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can probably remember the last important match. You won. Okay. <laughs> that's one way to say it. So you guys, you know, Sam, it's obviously a part of bringing kids in, but it's also taking the kids you have here, you know, and developing them. So how important is it just from the culture standpoint that the RTC is like when you, you work from the front, like, Hey, you want to recruit athletes that want to be part of a successful RTC that are looking at the off season is not the off season, but the improvement season, maybe. Well, I think what you're talking about is that really it's, it's a big cycle. Right? You got this thing called the Olympic program sitting up here, and you got resources and funding, and you got culture, and, and, and you know, and then you got recruiting. So, and they all kind of go together, and they're, they're just integrated, you know. And so, when you have all those things together, and you got the partners, and you got the resources, and you can and the recruits, and, and, and you got the development plan that goes behind all those um, kids that are, like you said, on our team already that you're trying to develop, you know, Dave Woodley won the U23s last year. Or in, the, in the fall, and then you know, and then Josh Heinzelman, who won the 20s in the fall, the second this time around, you know, making making them better at sports. And their skill sets that you need to get better, you know, when you're coaching, there's skill sets you got to have, right? There's there's things you need to develop to be good at, at the next level. They're just it's like if you don't understand head mocking or lead management or you know transitioning, it's like well, 
he's got some issues. He doesn't realize he got that, you know, or you can't stop the gut wrench, or you can't, you know, understand lazy. But it's like, well, you got a few things he's got to, you know. And so I guess what, you know, for us, it's that whole package is having having resources, having, you know, a skill development plan that these are things you're going to need, you know, and then getting the right person. Because you can want to do all those things, but if you can't wake up consistently and and, and when where the rubber hits the road and you go to work, it's going to be hard for you to be a Olympian. It's going to be hard for you to be a Olympic champion. You know, it's going to be hard to be on a world team if, if you can't be consistent. You know, that's a that's a two-day model. That, that's an obsession. And the more obsessive you become, the easier it is to, to want to work at it and get better at those skills. I've always thought from a recruiting standpoint that it's important to sell your results as a coach. And the reason why I say that is, and I'm not saying this because I'm here, I've always thought, frankly, you were a little too modest about what you've done. Because like I use the example if I take over coaching the New England Patriots tomorrow. I can't say, well, we've won eight Super Bowls. I mean, I can. And like the nine people that don't understand how it works would go, you're a really good football coach. And I might not even know what a cover two is. You know, but conversely, if Bill Belichick goes over to, I don't know, the Green Bay Packers or somewhere else, place that's never, not they, you know, to some place that's never won a Super Bowl, they can say, we brought in the eight-time Super Bowl champion. I mean, obviously, that, we saw that with Brady, right? Like he goes to Tampa. They win. So I would think if, you know, one last thing, I just want to make sure I understand this because you guys run the RTC out of Norman here, correct? So there's no other satellite branches or anything like that or what's going on? Not temporarily. Okay. Right yeah. Two one opens up, you know, and things open up and we we'll get some clearance when some COVID policies will start having some people come back on campus when, when, that, when they allow us to. You know, right now it's our team and uh, our DCs and, and some of our guys. You know, we're eventually going to get back. June 1 when the world sort yes. of opens back up. Yeah, so things were open back up and we might have some restrictions in COVID. You might have to be vaccinated. I don't know what they'll say to us. But right. We're going to have some policies. Work. No, I just here in the I had some people asking me, like, if there was more than one of your guys' branches and locations. I just want to make sure we could. Yeah, just making sure of that. So I think kind of the thing that I was talking about with the accomplishments you guys have all had, and, you know, Sam was joking, but like be the most important role. But like sometimes you need that a little bit, or you need a hype man to brag about you guys a little bit. You know, because my I think my dad was a great coach, but you would never get I me and guys got four eight degree black belts, and he'd be like, "Yeah, I'd probably do okay in a fight." Like, you know, like that's what he'd say. Like, or like literally put a guy in the ground <laughs> real fast, like one or the other, right? So kids have, and any of you guys can talk about this. Kids have so many choices and options these days when deciding where to go to college, and they're watching hype videos, and you know, like you guys are. I I've got a couple of kids. I'm hoping to get recording. They're looking are uh, getting recruited and they're watching recordings of like dorm videos because this is what it is right now. Obviously building relationships and recruiting is crucial. Like all three of you guys, everybody said here, why should a young man choose OU? Well, I'll feel this one. I'll start with mine. These guys can jump in. But one, I think that, you know, OU, it it should be a one-stop shop for people. 
meaning like you get a great education. We got a ton of curriculums. We got a fantastic campus. We got, you know, I tell this people, we, we have everything you need from nutrition to academic services to a great wrestling room to you name it. We got people that are on Olympic teams, world teams, you know, but it should, it should be a one-stop shop where you get a great education, you know, and you can train for the Olympics. You, know, you, you can do it all. You know, you can, you can win national medal. You can train for the Olympics. You can um, you can get a great education in many different fields. So I look at it as like, you know, we have everything you need. Everything you need to be successful, even beyond wrestling. You want to be a doctor. You want you know anything beyond that. You can still do that. We have people who want to be dentists, doctors, lawyers, um, the people in business. You know, it's just how far you want to take your wrestling career. Well, that's up to you. That's up to you, and, and our job is to provide the opportunities for you to have that something, you know, so you can go on, you can graduate like my son in three years, or you're, you're on a five-year plan and you want to train for two quadrants afterward, we should be able to provide that to you, you know, and, and to try to get people around me and, and understand that same concept. You know, that, that's our job, to make sure they get educated, make sure that we give an opportunity to, to win at the highest level and they go on to the next phase, which is the Olympic level. So I, in my eyes, it's, it's like we have plenty to, to offer any any prospect out there. You know, this is a great place. It's got a lot of tradition. You know, it's placed one step behind. Yeah, walking through there, I took a bunch of pictures. And I see you nodding a lot, Mike. Like, you were here, you're on the wall, you know. So you obviously were able to do what Lou's talking about. Like, when you're talking to kids, or you get, you're basically you're going to get to talk to kids right now that watch this. Why should somebody come here? Oh, that's a good one. Um, no, it, it, I mean, it, it's the brand, Oklahoma. Um, so for me, it represented every time I walked out there in college, at Oklahoma across your chest. So for me, it was personal. Like I'm representing my state where I grew up and can't, can't go back home if, if I don't. I I don't show the result that they want to see. Um, Competing out here in McCaslin, which I never lost, not one time. Um, So lost many times, but never in here because it it was personal for me, but but also not even understanding it at the time. Um, But now later in life, knowing that everything kind of following what Lou says, everything that comes with it, you know, when, when you get to the end of the road, everything, the opportunities, everything that, that's been given to me from coming to OU is I don't live, I don't, I don't live a rich life, but I live a great life. And, and, a, and all of it falls back on the university of Oklahoma. You always try to get a stop on a great line. And I think you just stuck the landing. So I don't think we can do any better than that. I, I, you did it. I truly I'm very good at sticking plans. <laughs> I appreciate your guys' time <laughs> and the hospitality both yesterday and today. Big congratulations on the Big 12 title and level and L. Up, and I wish you guys nothing but the best for the upcoming season. Uh, all you guys watching, listening, sharing, and tweeting, I appreciate your support so much. We'll talk to you all next week.